Right, okay, this is episode 15 of Music and More, and again, really, really pleased to have another guest on today, keeping the theme of having guests on. Uh, so tonight, um, we actually have uh, one of my best mates on, uh, The Wasp, also known as Rick McNamara, but primarily known as The Wasp to anyone that knows me. Uh, the reason for that, you know, we will talk about. But uh, first of all, I should probably just ask Pete how he's doing so he doesn't have a, have a hissy fit later on, do you know what I mean? And sort of, you know, forcefully introduce himself. So I'm going to talk, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to address Pete first. Pete, how are you doing, mate? Oh, well, thank you for asking. That's so, that's so gentlemanly of you. Thank you so much. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm really good. Really good. Really excited. Really vibed up. Uh, yeah, you've been excited about this one. I have, yeah. I've been excited over the past few weeks anyway. Do you know what I mean? I feel like my, my creativity is really motoring now. Um, so I'm just really vibey at the moment in general. Um, so yeah, good to hear that you are doing well. So yeah, as I say, mate, we have got Rick McNamara on the show tonight. Now, yeah. obviously Rick is uh, a great musician in his own right um, with Embrace, who've had shit loads of brilliant albums you oh, know yeah. what i mean how many how many albums rick seven or something six seven uh, uh yeah seven or eight something like seven? that anyway i can't remember I, I think it's seven or eight but uh, obviously you know embrace need no introduction really in terms of their effect on music you know when they when they sort of came into music you know it, it was part of a movement they were sort of the head of a movement with a few other bands but you know we all know we all know they're great songs but i say you know uh, me and rick are great friends and through numerous reasons really um now obviously we share the same uh, manager uh, tony perry and he manages embrace as well so obviously we've worked with rick also in his capacity as a producer because uh, he does that as well you know work with, work with um, lots of other bands uh, making records and stuff and he's got a great studio and he really knows what he's doing so anyway that's enough of sort of trying to sycophantically introduce you rick but on that note actually well actually no let's carry on let's carry on on that note yeah, yeah, and i'll ask this on. question in a minute yeah <laughs> But this. yeah, honestly, mate, honestly, um, you know, I'm I'm really uh, pleased that we've got you on. You know, it's going to be a fucking yeah. nice, you know what I mean? Well, it's great to be. You. It's great Thank to you. be here, man. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Um, so, you know, I th think one thing that I wanted to say as well, and maybe this is pretty early to say this, but and I don't know if I've ever, I think I told you this re recently, Rick, to be fair, was the fact that I think Embrace were actually like my introduction to live music, like at uh, Doncaster Dome. I don't know if you remember what year that was, Rick. Um, uh, will it have been yeah. 98, 99? It'd be 98, probably, yeah. Nine, yeah. 98. Well, there you First go. And I remember yeah. going to see him at Doncaster Dome with, was it Robert Standish and my brother? Can't remember now. But yeah, I remember, um, you know, going round back afterwards and getting all their autographs and stuff like that. So it was really fascinating for me to sort of um, meet Rick and stuff because obviously um, my brother was a massive, massive Embrace fan. You know, oh, yeah. both my brothers were and everyone that I knew was at that point in time. Do you know what I mean? When they came out. Come so what was really cool for me was it, that was another reason I could show off was that, you know, when we met Tony Perry and stuff like that and, you know, found out he worked with Embrace and I told my brother, you know, he went <laughs> off his head because he absolutely loves Embrace. So that were another thing that sort of, I don't know, kind of gave me credibility in some way at that age because I, I must have been really, well, like 98, so I'll have, been, I'll have been, I can't even remember, it's 16 or something like that, but it's a long time ago. But yeah, um, you know, I remember meeting you at the, what was it, in Bradford, St. George's Hall in Bradford? Did you play there? Is that what that venue's called? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, with like three balconies. 
Yeah, I think that was literally the first time I properly met you. Um, right. Didn't you DJ at one of our cockpit gigs? Um, no, in, it were, I think day. Tony wanted me to. Um, I remember when, when we first met Tony, he was managing Right Said Fred, so we didn't have to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> at the same level of uh, like, nice. kudos. <laughs> He'll kill me. Like oh, he's he's, he's going he's gonna to slay you for that. But I suppose our management, our management were doing Caprice as well. You know, yeah. everyone. It was uh, just you know, a bread and butter job. I bet he did all right off it. <laughs> yeah, like I say, it's probably just a bread and butter job, but um, oh, yeah. in between bands, uh, which is probably why he breathed a massive sigh of relief when we came along. Um, that first Doncaster gig, was that the one where the lights came on halfway through like the first song? All the house lights in the in Donny Dome. I can't I can't remember that. I just remember like you. Well, it Delacorta did they yeah. support you? Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah I remember Delacorta. Yeah, yeah, the rock, um, great song. Yeah, yeah, that riff. Yeah, yeah. Man, definitely. I remember yeah, yeah. that. Like I said, vividly remember going out back afterwards and sort of meeting you all and getting. Yeah, I remember coming down because it was like the bottom of some stairs and it was a, was it a glass door? Yeah, I think um, so. I yeah, think, I mean, I think it's the security a long, guy called us down and said, "Do you mind coming and saying hello?" So steamed down there and signed a load of stuff. But I didn't. <laughs> well, I didn't know it were you, obviously, at the time. But well, no, uh, no, not at the time. No. Yeah. Yeah, we had Adam's brother on a few weeks ago, and he was talking about that how he was a huge fan and how uh, getting he was like pretty shocked that you were friends. I have a quick clip of that. So this is this is Tom Nutter talking Hi. about talking about Rick. The thing was, we were a musical household in the sense that we loved, you know, there was a lot of music in the house. And so the bands that I listened to at that time, Coalition seemed to, to have them all. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they did press for them and they managed them. I mean, Embrace, I'm a mass, I, I am a massive Embrace fan. It's still sort of, you know, I find it mental that he's mates with Rick McNamara now, frankly. Yeah. You know, that, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty oh, funny. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. I love hearing stuff like that because I kind of think that no one likes us. I think we're oh, just like, mate. I think we're just swimming around in a black universe, with, but there's nothing in it. But then no, I get mate, when you, when, no, when you came to my house, mate, it was like a rock star were coming here. Do you know what I mean? My missus and his wife were both like, "Oh, but when's you getting here? When's you getting here?" I'm, like, I'm not telling you. No, I mean, for God's sake, he's helping me set up my studio. And even when he got, even when you got in here, I was like, "Go on, get on that piano. Go on, do something that I can film." Yeah, man. Um, yeah, and literally, our Tom texted me saying, "Oh, yeah, you know, our last wants to know what time is round." <laughs> well, am, I on, am I on the list? Well, you must be, mate. I'm not sure. I'm not privy. I'll probably get slayed for um, all this talk, to be honest. Our kid will be mortified. Um, but, you know, fuck him. Don't matter. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, just to emphasise just to emphasize the fact, really, that, you know, you guys were, you know, you were a big band. You were a great band. And sort of for us to be associated with you in any way. It's uh, really funny that, you, lot- that you, never, you never let on the whole time that we were at Soundworks Studios. You never really let on that you were, like, into us. And, uh, and I remember well, hearing uh, one of your riffs, and I'm thinking, is that, is that Retro? Is he? Is he? Uh, he's <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, man. You know, sounds like refugee. You know, we're fans. <laughs> None of that. Mate, it what? It's on. I tell you where it is. I tell you where it is. It is on. Turn out the light. In fact, where's my guitar? Oh, we're gonna do some. Oh, we're doing some live. I like it. No, I'm literally just gonna try and play that Rick for that riff for Rick, even though it's his riff. Even though it's his riff. Where is it? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That one, yeah. It's yeah. not a million miles off, is it? I stuck that in turn out the light, mate. <laughs> Honestly, you know what I mean? But, you know, that for me, that's like, that's how music works. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I didn't, you know, whether I, I, well, I wouldn't say I consciously lifted that. Do you know what I mean? But that was the point. And that when we were writing that stuff, 
you were in studio. Um, what album will you have been working? You did the second and third down there, didn't you? Or you did bits? Um, it, we started in there in, two, in 1999. Um, so yeah. you got signed in 2000, I think, didn't you? I just remember vividly. It'll you know, be third you, album. You'd oh. always have been set up in live room. You know, the live room had all your sort of proper rig yeah. up in there. And when we'd sort of come down, um, you'd be playing live. Do you know what I mean? And it just sounded amazing. Always thought it sounded amazing always wanted to go in and watch but i don't know we were never really one of them bands if you know what i mean and i don't know yeah. if you, listen, well, you did listen to rob do you know what i mean rob would have been more likely to throw peanuts at you and stuff like that rather yeah. Than, uh, yeah but yeah i, I vividly, rem- vividly remember sort of being in soundworks and being like wow do you know what i mean embracer in there um yeah you know you were a massive band and you were sort of relatively local as well do you know what i mean so that meant even more no you got you guys were huge absolutely massive I remember you uh, had that you know. room, that room that was like painted like the colour of hell, wasn't it? It were like <laughs> blood red, and then Stu had all his like car posters all over it warm with like scantily clad ladies in it. And I just, I just and there were no sport, windows or anything. Yeah. And I just remember thinking those guys spent all day for weeks in this this little room. Fucking, <laughs> must be like going fucking nuts. I mean, it was like I mean, it was d- cramped enough in the in the big yeah. room, it you know. Well, yeah, I mean. Yeah. It was it was blood red and um, horrible. <laughs> I, I don't know like... if I've said. I, I think I said on another another one where we we finally when we sort of hit bad spells or what whatever um, we came up with the idea that a lot of it were to do with the fact that that room was that colour. So we got in there and painted it a really sort of nice magnolia, but, you know, on reflection, it wasn't a nice magnolia. But like you say, there was no natural light in there. We were sort of sat, you know, sat in there, you know, sort of um, smoking smoking weed a lot. Yeah, and there's yeah. no natural light in there. No, vent, no, great no ventilation. ventilation. No. Oh, yeah, do you know what I mean? It were a proper, it were a proper, like, you know, it were, you were going underground when you were going in there. It were yeah. an experience. And especially I mean, if all Phil's crew were down there and there were like fucking 20 of them sat on the floor and shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It were madness. I mean, we we liked it down there. You know, we uh, we got, um, on our second album, we got Tristan Norwell, who just, uh, he just won the Mercury with Talvin Singh. Um, and right. because he knew Pro Tools and stuff, I and mean, we wanted to get into start doing stuff digitally. Um, mm. So we, we got him up there to do it, and we were all really happy in there. And he, he was like, he was going, what, what, are we, what are we doing here? Why, mm. you know, why don't we go somewhere else? Which is why we ended up going to that big, bloody stately home in Batsford, you know, and yeah. setting up like a, like a just a DIY studio in there. I think Radiohead yeah. had been in there like the month before us, all right. um, doing a bit of something in there, yeah. But yeah, the sound works. It's like you'd, you'd get there, you'd bang on the door for about 20 minutes until someone heard you, and then you'd go down, stick the kettle on, have a marmite on toast, and then go and exactly. sit down. <laughs> There'd be like fly yeah, papers was... hanging from the roof. You're like, just fucking flies everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have some of Will, steal some of Will's hot lava java coffee, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like you say, there was yeah. a time I had to call him because um, I broke the shutter. I had to call him at like two in the morning. Right. Do you know what I mean? Shit. The shutter, yeah. I broke the shutter. I had to ring him at two in the morning and go, oh, Will, uh, really sorry, but I think I broke the shutter. God, you had to come back from Harrogate. See ya. Lived miles away, oh, didn't it? But yeah, man. It was a, real, it were a, it were a, it were a proper vibey little place. I loved it too. I didn't care. There was no natural light. Do you know what I mean? At that age, we were just like vampires anyway. Well, I certainly yeah. were. I mean, up until yeah, that point, I think every single studio I'd ever been in never had any natural light. They always like, it was always like a bookies, wasn't it? They always used to block the windows off. And yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's so, it, yeah. So you didn't know what time you, you were leaving at, and more often than not, you'd walk out expecting it to be daylight and it'd be pitch black. Yeah, yeah I think, you know, I think Soundworks, I don't know if it's, it, well, I suppose it did suffer from being in Leeds, if you know what I mean, in terms yeah. of, you know, when you're like, well, let's just make a record here. You know, yeah. you, you, 
your big producers are like, well, I'm more comfortable on, you know, an SSL in Olympic or something where, where you know, and they had an SSL in Soundworks, you know what I mean? They were, but, it, you know, as as Will rightly said, you know, corporate people get involved, don't they? Corporate people and, you know, they say, well, you you know, you got, you're got going to record at Jacobs. But, you know, I suppose the Jacobs were a totally different environment. Did you ever record at Jacobs? Uh, the, we did the some B-sides there once, yeah. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. You know, totally polar polar opposite to like sound work. Yeah, I didn't have a great you know, time there to be honest, because at the time we were doing B sides, and uh, I was up for like you know doing like experimenting and having a bit of a laugh and sort of you know throwing it out there a bit. But our Danny was just like, look, just fucking get them down. Oh wow, you know, oh, get right. on with it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> way, way to any, set the vibe, right? Thing. Yeah, he's just like crack the whip and go. Not interested, you know. So it kind of oh. like. Uh, yeah, I had a bit of a shit time there, to be honest. It did sound good, though. It was a nice, nice setup and everything. Well, I mean, and I suppose that's one reason I loved... I mean, we're not going to segue into it now properly, but just to sort of link it, one of the reasons I loved working with you um, was just a level of experimentation we were doing, do you know what I mean? And just, you know, layering stuff up. I absolutely loved that stuff. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that because uh, there's a lot of B-sides and a lot of really cool stuff, and I definitely want to get to that. I, I've, I've heard a lot of the stuff that you worked on with the music, but we should probably start a little earlier than that. I'm really curious of those early days. Like, So it sounds to me like what you're saying is you met these guys just because you were both on the same management company. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, I think I went to the... What was the gig that you did? Was it the Hi-Fi Club in that sort of basement? Was yeah, that when I, did you did yeah that the, the first gig club? you did is that the first that was the fir- first gig we did at technically as the music right. we've done a couple yeah. like as incense but yeah like, using the name yeah yes anyway yeah is that where did tim burgess do some dj in there as well he did he did yeah. he did yeah. yeah yeah that was the first time i saw him it was it was it wasn't the greatest sound i've ever heard oh, it was man, uh, it there was were a... lots of energy but it was just kind of like you know, it was oh, a man. fucking. It, I'm not being. I'm not being funny. It was a fucking nightmare that gig. And like, I, I literally on the last note, the last song, I just went and collapsed behind Phil's drums and just sat there thinking, "Fucking hell!" First gig, you know, first proper gig as all our party, and we're absolutely shit. Yeah, there's you know no I mean? worse but, feeling than that, is it? Oh, I mean, and like like you say, I mean, I'm sure people were just like, "Oh God," you know what I mean, in terms of thinking the sounds bad, but I mean, we were shit. You know, the because the monitors were shit, like we couldn't mm. hear each other. Yeah. We couldn't get a vibe. There were no, no vibe, do you know what I mean, in terms of acoustics of the room. There were no sort of vibe to be had. And yeah. we were playing these really vibey, loose tunes where we're affected. Because even at that stage, you know, we were, we were jamming most of them. So obviously, you know, when you're, when you're jamming somewhere, especially live, you've got to be... You got to be comfortable, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You got to be able to hear yeah. everyone and, and vibe off it. And we just couldn't. And you know, there were tunes that we were playing in practice room that we were just like, you know, these are going to blow people away. I just remember being up there thinking, oh man, do you know what I mean? This is a a piss poor representation of what we have been doing. But that's that's what you soon discover is live music. And I can't remember mm. who said it to me. I think Tim were up there and I was really upset. And he sort of he didn't get arty with me, but it was a bit like, you know, you, you're going to have to toughen up if. A bad gig upsets you that much, do you know what I mean? Because you could have. Yeah, it's, it's really got, good at that kind of thing, Tim, and getting the yeah. perspective going. But um, I mean, I guess at that time, your, your songs weren't fully formed, were they? They didn't have structure. No. They just had, it was just vibe, and you were going to go in exactly. with a producer and turn them into like exactly. the, the gold nuggets exactly. that, they, that they ended up yeah. being. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I guess yeah, it so, was jamming, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so in the practice room, when you can hear each other and it's vibe is shit do you know what i mean it's like yeah. untouchable you're gonna blow them away man it's gonna be amazing yeah, exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then you get you get on stage you can't <laughs> hear like, yourselves this doesn't sound like you can it just sounds like this. at practice <laughs> yeah exactly there's this horrible hiss do you know what i mean and yeah. like, you're just like oh this is a you know there's press here for god's sake do you know what i mean there's actual press here 
Yeah. Um, Must have been all that parsley. You were like, oh, this is going to be so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it? It's parsley still, is it? <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean. I'll need to know that for later. <laughs> I don't think I what. Do you know what? What are do you know what? Like by the Hi-Fi Club, like when we played the Hi-Fi Club, I don't know how much I were. I'd got into that. Like I say, I didn't start really messing with that until I were eighteen, at least, and we weren't eighteen, then, man. Right. Like we did the Hi-Fi Club. I think at the end of the first year that we spent with Coalition. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, or I can't remember exactly, but it was. You know, I don't think I were. I don't think I were doing that back then, which is really ironic because the, some of our trippiest tunes and some yeah. of my trippiest guitar playing was written completely not on any of that. Like I say, you know, a lot right. of you know, a lot of it I wrote at fucking fifteen and sixteen in my mum and dad's bedroom. I once sat smoking weed in my mum and dad's bedroom. Do you know what I mean? Just sat <laughs> sat with an effects pedal. Yeah, um, jamming Don't really do bit. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mummy, you got any skins? Do you know what I mean? I'm not you playing mean, that game. Some mean, people might, but no, it's not. That's not my bag. You mean the parts you didn't steal from Embrace? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which were written on my mum's bed <laughs> oh, hell, I can't believe you pinned me up with this fucking thing you know what I mean you've absolutely just, pinned me up with it this. just sprung to mind I just thought oh yeah I remember that Yeah, because yeah. you never yeah, spoke to it, us but, I no. told you that though I don't know if you remember but I actually told you that not that, not even that long ago I told you that I'd sort of yeah uh, I, I already word? knew I already knew oh, yeah fucking what's, what's the word um, compassionately there's another one. The... There's another one you do that sounds a bit like sort of homecoming by you too as well. Is that a, is that a Nick or is that Uh-oh. a coincidence? No, well, I mean, a lot of my, I mean, you could listen to, you could listen to majority of my playing and hear the edge. I would think, yeah. but no, the only the only time I've ever consciously thought, oh, it's a bit close that one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is uh, that <laughs> is that retread riff and. There was another one on a B-side that I did, a guitar riff. Oh, well, yeah, same thing. There was another one on a B-side, I can't remember what it was now. But it's not one of your tunes, it's something that, it was somewhat off a computer game. I play, I play you the um, sort of homecoming, hang on, you tell me which song it is by you. Well, I know sort of homecoming. Uh, play it anyway, then. Oh. Rain Dance. Oh, it's Rain Dance, yeah, yeah, Rain Dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, fuck off. <laughs> I put this in, I put that, I, 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 I put that extra skip in. <laughs> Hold on. Ah, uh, right, yeah. Yeah. Try to call yeah. me out. <laughs> the de- the defence rests. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's loads different, mate. Well done. Uh, Fucking bands. <laughs> I started making a Spotify uh, playlist of bands that have ripped us off. I'll have, to, I'll, have to remember, I'll have to remember to get you guys on there. Oh, God. Oh, that's too word? funny. I, I still can't think of the fucking the word. Like, um, comp, like uh, what, what is the fucking word I'm trying to think of here? It was, you know, it's not like a lift. It's just, it's one of them things where... Inspiration. Sounds like a, yeah, well, it sounds like you try to fucking pathetically justify it now, but it, it's one of them things where you're doing a tune and you, you, your hands do somewhere and you're like, oh, that sounds cool. And then you're yeah. like, it sounds a bit like that, but... Yeah, like, that's, oh, a, that's, a, that's a lesson that you learn somewhere along the way is that you don't have to be 100% original at all times. So it's, we, we learned it off um, Johnny Dollar, who's sadly no longer with us, but um, it was on our first EP and he said, if you identify with it, then it's yours. You know, you can you can have it because yeah, that's yeah. that's just art, you know. And, and youth's another one. Youth's very much kind of like he draws inspiration from stuff. And he, when we were working with him, we were just barefaced nicking stuff, and mm, um, right. you kind of put it through a filter. 
It'd like, it'd like throw some chords at you from a song. Mickey Dale would write them down because he's got that kind of relative pitch thing going on. Um, and then we'd go out into the room and put it through our filter and I'd come up with a line to it and Danny would come up with some lyrics to it. And hey, presto, mm. you know, I think we got to number three. We're one of them, number two in charts. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it's pretty much, you know, Because the Night by Patti Smith. Yeah, well, <laughs> which is a great, which is an absolutely brilliant song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, it... it the way I've always thought about it is, especially myself, like I've, I've sat and listened and absorbed so much music that it, you know it's it sort of comes out in tunes. Do you know what I mean? Like I'll do something that might sound like a little bit from Embrace, and it'll sound like a Pumpkins tune, and you know it'll have like a uh, a Prince melody in there as well. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. it's how music works, isn't it? It's how sort of writing music works. And like yeah. say, as long as you know, it's not like it's not like you're ripping off a song just like taking a lick. Do you know what I mean? And again, and, and again, a lot of my playing, if you listen to Lindsay Buckingham and Fleetwood Mac, you know, yeah, yeah. be like, oh yeah, I can hear, I can hear that. And, yeah, yeah. But you know, you've got to come from somewhere, aren't you? You know, you can't, you didn't yeah, invent yeah. the guitar. You've got to come from somewhere. So you're going to be some something of a, a palette of all yeah. the colours that you've seen before. You know. And for me, it was Lindsay Buckingham and Nick McCabe because yeah. my mum and dad had uh, Fleetwood Mac the dance, um, and I used to watch that and be amazed by it and then i remember watching the verve at hague hall was that the really big one that the verve did rings about can't yeah. remember the, but i think it was hague hall um and i remember watching that and just watching nick mccabe and just being like fucking hell i'm getting a gold top i don't <laughs> want to you know yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna first, make sounds like I'm gonna first make time i like saw that. um the verve was uh they supported ride and that, All was, right, yeah. that must have been back in 1989 yeah 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 that's, you know mm. that's 10 years previous i mean they'd they'd had two albums and split up and got back together, you know, mm. and brought before they came out with Bittersweet Symphony, which was originally going to be a B-side. Yeah, man. Wow. Um, which is That's nuts, crazy. you know. And, and I think um, you've got, it was that, you used that string part off the, the Rolling Stones um, orchestrated yeah. CD. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, I recently read that they signed over the rights, right? Yeah. They, I, th- they I think they've given them some, yeah. Given them yeah. some back, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like you flat at the end of the day after they've been doing strings on Drugs Don't Work and Sonnet and stuff. He said, hey, you know, guys, you just mind, you know, just sticking around back, you know, when the band have gone to do this. And, you know, he built the track up pretty much himself and then presented it to the band. And Jazz Summers with her at the time. I don't know if you'll have known Jazz, won't you? I don't think, I, I don't think we ever met Jazz, no. Right. And he, he said to Richard Ashcroft, he goes, that's your first number one, that. And, you know, hmm. he went to number two, I think. But, you know, the rest is history. They fucking took him stratospheric, didn't it, that tune? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was interesting actually because um, Rob was, you know, you listened to both parts of Rob, didn't you? And he, yeah. you know, he would talk, he were talking about sort of how uh, constru- and constructing a pop song and the sort of elements you can, you know, use from other melodies and other songs and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I found know, that I, really you know, interesting. That I found it, that that thing that he said about the Whitney Houston track. I thought, yeah. that, I thought they were really, really interesting. That yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. So the first song I ever heard from Embrace was Gravity, and uh, and you know, great song, but a little bit of history to it, right? So I'm interested in hearing because you know I, I've heard that that song was given to you by uh, Coldplay, you know, by Chris. So I was just wondering how does how did that exchange happen? Um, well, first time we met Coldplay was when they supported us um, at a gig at Blackpool Tower Ballroom, and um, we did two nights there, and they did I think the second night, which I didn't actually see because I was doing an interview with the NME. Hmm. And the enemy gave us a bad review and said they were amazing. And the woman that was gave the review was fucking talking to me the whole way through it. Oh. That's, that's the industry, man. So, uh, oh. so the first time we met, my dad went and got them out of their dressing room. He's, he went in. He went. Do you want to meet the lads? So, and they're like, oh, oh yes, yeah, yes, please, Mister. Oh wow. So, so he dragged them down and he said, I came into the room and I think Danny was also already sort of like a bit of a fan, really. I mean, that's kind of how bands got on our, our support sort of vibes and. Um, 
So him and Chris just became really good friends. Um, obviously their career went like that, as I was went like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, we kind of crossed paths. Um, just like us in Kasabian. Yeah, yeah. They carried on getting bigger, we carried on getting smaller, eventually we got dropped. Uh, and then we got signed after we played the Royal Albert Hall with no record deal, um, which is nuts. And uh, we spent so long making our third album that we were all absolutely potless. Um, three of the lads had jobs. I was like literally down to my last 200 quid. I'd been around the house. I'd wow. pulled it apart, sold everything on eBay that was worth anything, except for a couple of guitars. Um, and it was it was right at the dying throes of making the album. I think we were going back down to do a bit of mixing. And Chris had actually been into the studio a, a while earlier. I think the Cure were in there and he'd been down to see Robert Smith or you know, they wanted to meet or whatever. And he'd nice. come down and talked to us, played as Gravity. We thought, wow, you know, Bastard's done it again, it's another cracker. And then kind of forgot about it. And then we were just about to go back down to mixing and Danny sort of came in to the studio and he goes, I got a phone call from Chris last night. Um, we're like, right. Uh, and he wants us to he wants us to have gravity. <laughs> and immediately our, you know, northern working class attitude was, what the fuck's he think he is? You know, <laughs> giving us a song. Um, not as nasty as that really, but that kind of vibe. Sure. Yeah. There's, there's no way we're saying. gonna do that sort of got to the end of the day end of that day is right you know whatever or recording and all sort of went home and almost have had the same thought like lying in bed that night came in the next day and we all went you know what i think we should do this <laughs> you right. know we've been you know sometimes you can you can miss opportunities like that if, oh, yeah, you're, yeah. Uh, if your head's too far up your own ass um and we kind of like we wanted to be a yes band because all the way through our career up to that point we've been a no band no we won't do top of the pops no, right. we don't want to be on our covers. No, we're doing the, our t-shirt designs. No, you know, no everything. We're in control of everything. And we kept all of it so tight that we'd literally throttled the life out of it. Hmm. So we're, yeah, now we're okay. very much like a yes sort of attitude. It's fascinating, is that? Yeah. Um, which <laughs> turned out to be like 2004 was like probably the best year of my life, you know, because every single day was a good news day. But so, so we went in to do Gravity, we did it up here in the studio, sort of demoed it up here, went down to London to do it with youth, and then we, we kind of handed it over to the label. We thought we'll put it like, you know, track eight or nine on the album, you know, it'd be a nice little thing for, for the fans. And then we got a call from them to go down for a meeting, and me and our Danny had already sort of sussed it out. We're like, if they're fucking, if they say to us that they want that to be a single or they want it up near the front of the album, they can fuck off. Uh, no right. fucking chance. Uh, yeah. And then by the time we'd finished in there for an hour, you know, it was the first single. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did, how, did, how did that conversation go down then? How did, that, how did it go? It's just just, just what they said. You know, Mark Richardson, who was there at the time, I think he's moved out to Australia now, and, and Andy McDonald were just really calm and just said, look, you know, I think I think this is really going to kick open a lot of doors and we could go with Ashes, which is what we wanted to do. Yeah, also um, amazing. Thank oh, you, yeah. thank you, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But, um, you could go with Ashes and it'll, do, it'll probably do really well. You know, you probably get a good sort of fan-based, you know, cult sort of vibe going on with this record would probably you know shift i don't know 50 60 000 or something mm -hmm. uh, but if you go with gravity i know radio is going to get behind it i don't know that'll that'll give ashes a bigger yeah platform you know diving board to jump off you know yeah. um so that that's kind of what persuaded us and um and I, I love that song you know we get we get fans who sort of say that they go for a piss during the gig when that one's on you know <laughs> out of some sort of quasi loyalty to us or whatever but you know i love it i think it yeah it saved our bacon you know it really That's did because awesome, yeah. i danny had a meeting uh, or he used to know a guy that used to work at radio one and he said you know what if you went to go me gravity they weren't going to play ashes because it just didn't have a sexy angle but after gravity came out and mm -hmm. it went it was so successful to then come out with ashes after that um mm -hmm. you know it just that just 
you know, we were playing Millennium Square, you know, later that year. Yeah. But every day after that was a good news day. You know, I had, uh, one day I got the uh, word that the album had gone gold, like the week before it came out, just on pre-orders. Mm. You know, that's that's my favourite disc. You know, I've got a, I've just got a double platinum disc today, actually, for out of nothing, because um, it's been sat at yeah. Mickadale's. Uh, we got it like this year, but the gold one's still still my favourite disc. Because that's <laughs> yeah. you know when we the first first time was hard to do. It was a, it was a big thing, but it was kind of I kind of expected it. In a way, because I was young, yeah, yeah. Um, we were on covering enemy. Everyone was saying we're going to be the next Oasis, and I kind of like thought, yeah, yeah, probably, you know, we're good, you know. <laughs> and I kind of I was really arrogant about it in a way, which I regret. So when, I know what you mean. so I was really humbled by the time, you know, the, it's the fourth album, and it not the third album. When the fourth album came out and it went gold, it was like, oh, thank God, you know, because mm. I just started a family and stuff, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and to go all the way down like that, like you said, to be down to, you know. <laughs> You know, your last bit yeah, of change yeah, before. I, I was yeah. literally, yeah, selling record players and like amps and pedals and just anything that could get 50 quid, you know. Mm. It, was, it, was, it, was, it was scary how close it got to it, but there's always well, been something in me that's got a faith that it's going to be all right. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you were right. Well, yeah, I, had no, I had no idea it were, you know, it, it were like that. I had no idea it were like that. Um, but, you know, I can obviously identify with trajectories going the wrong way and... And stuff like that, and you know, crisscrossing with bands who were on the up, you know, like our, like I've spoke about before, our USA tour with Kasabian when they were proper kicking off in the UK, but also in America, you know, they were kicking off everywhere, and yeah. we were we were headlining, and they were supporting, and you know, half the fucking crowd left, you know, what I mean, after after they came off, and you know, moments like that, you just but, you just you feel know, it, don't you? It's like a tangible, like they've got like an effortlessness about them, yeah. <laughs> And we've got like a fucking train to cling on to it, you know. Yeah, desperate. You can yeah. feel the. You so can you start feel making all the wrong decisions about stuff. You yeah, know? you can yeah. feel the desperation in yourself. Yeah. Um, and like you say, you look at something that's just so natural, like what we had originally, and it just you know, it breaks your heart, doesn't it? You know what I mean? It it breaks yeah. your heart when you're like, well, you know, that's what we were. What's what's changed? Do you know what I mean? But um, I mean, it's, it's a it's a huge conversation this in itself. But I suppose as much as you have control of everything, there's always that element of press and radio in the and like obviously press say what the fuck they want and radio play whatever the fuck they want. They yeah. they don't they don't they don't listen to you when you know you're like this is a single and we we had that you know we had bleed from within as. Was it the I can't, was it the second single off the second album? I can't remember anyway. But um, you know, Radio One just turned round and just went, "We're not playing that." You know what <laughs> really? I mean? Right. Yeah, we'd made a video for it. We'd done. We'd we got to quite a stage with it. You know, being planned as a single, and Radio One just turned round and went, "We're not playing it." Right. Um, you know, that, and I remember being in America and Tony ringing me and saying, "Look, you know, um, Radio One aren't going to get behind this song." So yeah, it's that <laughs> phone call that Tony gives you, isn't it? It's an awful lot yeah. shit, isn't it? Like, yeah. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> that really, that really cold. Just like this is a situation. These are your options. Do you know what I mean? And I think you should do this. But again, it were like, you know, I don't know. I suppose in retrospect. Maybe we should have just said, well, all right, well, don't play it then, fuck you, you know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. like you, Rick, I mean, early doors, I were, I think we all, you know, you don't disappear up your own ass completely, but you, you start to believe your own hype. And, you know, I I had a gripe really early on with the NME um, for varying reasons, really. But, you know, it were like me and Rob would be driving home from practice and Tim would ring Rob and be saying, oh, you know, the NME tour in three weeks and that. And I'd be screaming at other end of phone going, we're not doing an NME tour. Have you read what they fucking said about us in last week's episode and all this shit? And Tim's like, you know, look, mate, come on. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a game. You know, it's, they know the game, the game, don't they? 
it's the, it's game. the game. Yeah, Listen. like when when you're in the middle of it, it's your life, isn't it? And it's you know they always seem to use the worst photos of me as well. Do you know what I mean? You'd be like, oh for God's sake, of yeah, all the I photos they could have used of me, they've used one where I look like you know I don't know. Well, just that absolute, just ridiculous. The sort of photo where you know your mates are going to open an enemy and go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, we always used to get it where our Danny used to do all, used to pick all the photographs. So he'd pick the ones where he looked amazing, and I could be, you know, in the background, you know, with my pants down, wiping my ass. <laughs> you know, eyes shut, chin down, you know, yeah. halfway through a sneeze, but he's at front looking like blue steel. That's that's the shot, you know. Even down to album shots, you know, it's like he's picking them. I'm like, Danny, for fuck's sake, look, at, look behind you, look past your face. He's like, yeah, look at me, I look like a total nosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all right mate but you know save a bit of it rest of it. Uh, yeah, i mean oh god i do go on about it a bit to be fair but it, it did used to it did re- really used to get my back up that's what they get to paid fair, to do though they, i mean literally what, it's the same thing in my industry i work in the tech industry and there's tech company these these are these reporting blogs that they will trash you just almost to get like for people to be more excited about reading it like it's it's just an angle yeah yeah so it gets shared and stuff and people like get infuriated mm-hmm. yeah. by it yeah right a bit. i don't know i yeah i could rant a lot about the enemy to be fair but they were a, a like a necessary evil means to an end i suppose and there's no doubt they played a big role in boosting our profile to the element uh, the sort of extent it did and they were great people at the enemy do you know what i mean some really lovely people and especially like the photographers and you know those sort of guys who were working for them and what they used to do my head in is they do these brilliant articles on us where they're bigging us up and that and then on the next page you'd be you know they'd be calling us trog face wankers and it would like <laughs> you know i'll tell you another thing as well like i don't know how many people know this really um Anyway, so our second album, uh, The Enemy, gave a 9 out of 10. First of all, though, first of all, they gave it a 3 out of 10. (laughs) They gave gave it a 3 out of of 10, and our press officer got wind, and our press officer rang him up and went absolutely apeshit at him and just said, you know, there's no way that I'm having that. So the editor said, right, okay, I'll take it out, and I'll review it myself. And he gave us a 9 out of 10. But the point being... (laughs) Uh, at the time, it would have been Steve Phillips, I think. But right. the point being, it's all about that sort of strong arm stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's like... It's but what, just, they oh. do, what they do typically is, like, they, they, they build you up because they want to they wanna sell magazines and want to create a scene where, yeah, where people yeah. are talking and people are engaged and all that. So what they do is they only put you to the writers that like you. So they'll go, right, who likes the music? And, like, a load of hands will go up. And they'll mm. go, right, you're doing this show, you're going to this show, you're reviewing the album, you're doing the single. Oh. And then it gets to your second album and they go, right, you're on your own now, lads. You know, cut the apron strings and then off you go, push the boat out and then all the fucking vultures come flying in going, they're too big for the boots, they're fucking shit, I don't like them, you know. And that's, yeah, when, they, yeah. that's when they tear you apart. Yeah. That's, that's what they do. I'd never heard that before, that's interesting. Well, oh, that's, yeah, that's, it's, it's, yeah, that's, 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 well, that's what I that's what I saw anyway, you know, get all the people who, who think you're shite having a go at your second. It's like, that, like I say, <laughs> that woman who was interviewing me up in the balcony, you know, saying how, how much she loves the band and yada, yada, this, yada, I think it was Claire, yeah. with Claire something, Grogan, she would go. And then she gave... A, Coldplay an amazing review and she didn't even fucking see him because she was stood talking to me. Mm, yeah. Do you know what I mean? No. That's, that's the stuff yeah, that yeah. really boils your piss when you know for a fact <laughs> that yeah. it's lies, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. we had it on, the, on our first album. We had um, we all went out to New York to film, uh, to shoot the cover for The Good Will Out, which is on mm. Christopher Street in New York. I don't know if you know that, Pete. I do. Um, um, and the, I think the Melody Maker was there to shoot the band right. as well. So we did a, uh, a couple of shots at the bottom of World Trade Centre, 
um, underneath the two towers. Mm-hmm. And and then the Anton, uh, our uh, press guy at the time, lovely guy. Um, he goes, "Oh, they they just want to do a couple of shots, just you and Danny." And I'm like, "Well, we don't, you know, we don't want to do like that. We want to be presented as a band. We don't want to be like just me and Danny because it's a really easy one, isn't it? Brothers, you know, yep. they had because every interview that we ever had in every language was like, "So, uh, so you were brothers uh, like oh, yeah. the Oasis? It's like, well, yeah, yeah. you know, we were brothers before Oasis, you know. But even the fans, <laughs> even the fans do the same. I've heard fans talk about you guys and be like, "Oh, I love when he sh- when you guys hug and blah blah blah." Like, there's like a whole thing about the brothers. So yeah, it's not even just the, the reporters; it's it's even the fan base. Yeah, 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 for real. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so so they kind of took us off, and we had a couple of photos done. And of course, that's the one that's on the cover, me and our Danny. You know, yeah. like I think they think the headline, like brothers, brothers work it out, or brothers gonna work it out. They come up with a tagline mm-hmm. and then find a photo to fit it. You know. Yep. Did that Did that impact you lot as a group? Um, it's 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 kind of yeah, I guess yeah. I mean, if the, it's kind of you start off as all mates and you're all. On the all same level. level, aren't you? Peers. Yeah. And then you kind of like, you know, you do a few vi- videos and you're all a level and then suddenly it's a video with a singer and then it's like you kind of start fading into the background and then the covers come in and then appearances on TV yeah. and, you know, before you know where you are, you know, people like would come up to me and say, do you mind getting taking my picture with Danny? Because they don't recognise yeah. that I'm in the band, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not asked. I'll give a shit. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. I think it's funny. but um, Well, if it was up to me, I would have only put Phil on the cover of the music because he's the only good looking one in the band so that's <laughs> <laughs> well i think rob was on the cover and it was a drawing on it it was a drawing uh, that was, yeah like an illustration that, of him wasn't it yeah yeah that's pretty cool that cover actually that is pretty cool yeah. how they made his hair yeah. look like it's very led zepp in it and you know tim would just be very much like look you know it is what it is well he's um, a press guy isn't it tim tim i think tim, yeah yeah we yep. were introduced to tim as our press mm-hmm. guy that's how we met him he, he wasn't a manager when right. we met him yeah yeah um, yeah yeah so yeah, so when you guys came along, he stopped being our press guy, and I think our press got worse <laughs> after that. Well, yeah, man, you know, I think he was he was really good at it. From um, you know, from what a lot of people say, and sort of the, the swirl they built around the Verve and stuff like that. You know, Tim were involved at a, a press level with that. But yeah, I mean, I suppose we're talking about it for quite a while, really. But it never drove a wedge between me and Rob. You know, what I mean, I don't yeah. remember you know Rob ever handling that situation badly. Someone like that, um, it can't have been easy for him, really, as well. Do you know, it must have been embarrassing for him, you know, when when the magazine comes out and be like, oh, fucking hell, do you know what I mean? They said they were going to use everyone, and it's just me again, for God's sake. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it never, never, to me, it never really came across like that. It never, I never felt like it was, you know, Rob was fronting a band. I, I, mean, well, you, I mean, your band especially, it was like always, to me, you were always different to everything else, and it was always like a, a big jam, you know? Yeah, same. Yeah. Where everyone was like, chucking in ideas that's what it sounds yeah, exactly. like to me. that's what i that's got what too. it was that's exactly what it was it was you know it was like um diplomatic like that and democratic every every one of us controlled our own aspects do you know what i mean yeah. and it wasn't like someone would be like i don't like that you need to stop doing that we yeah. didn't really do that everyone did their own bit and no one better utter a word to the other one other than fuck me mate that's really good yeah, you know yeah. what i mean yeah but i thought you, it was really interesting that you guys don't like like you know discuss it like that it's a bit like that. I've been doing a bit of acting like before lockdown, and um, I did this play with uh, a couple of other people. And the lady in the play was talking about um, how they wouldn't be able to hear her when she gave her line at this like it was like a community theatre thing. And uh, I just said, and they were all trying to come up with different ways of sorting out the problem and all that. I said, but well, just say it louder. And uh, the the actor, the other guy in the in the thing, <laughs> took me to one side. He goes, "Fucking hell, yeah, I nearly pissed myself when you said that." I'm like, "Why?" <laughs> he goes, "You don't tell other actors what to do." 
you just don't offer any tips yeah. oh, really? how you do it insight right. vision you don't yeah. you don't share that it's just really weird it's you yeah. know, I'd, I'd want actors to come up to me and say i'd try this i'd try that i'd be fucking all for that but you just don't do it it's just not well, done it's really odd it's interesting i mean i think i don't as we've spoke about on these podcasts i think there was an element of quite strong competition between us four do you know yeah. what i mean in terms of being in the creative pot and what we were bringing to it you know um you could almost like, you know, you'd almost be having jewels sometimes. Like me and Stu in practice room, sort of writing. You'd almost, it, 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 like I'd be doing something going, come on, Stu, come come this direction. And Stu would be doing something going, well, I'm halfway down there, but I've gone down here, are you coming? And he's like, oh, for fuck's sake, which way are we going? Come on, you've got to come here, or I've got to go there. But something's got to happen. But then you'd be like, well, hang on, this is actually like working. We're trying to pull yeah. each other in different directions. Like Freedom Fighters, if you strip Freedom Fighters down and listen to it, like if you listen to them separately, I don't think you would go, like Guitar Riff goes with that bass line. I don't think you'd do that at all because Stu's doing like quite a different thing. Yeah. Um, and I really liked that, but... Like I say, at the time, I don't, I don't know if Stu feels like this. It'd be great to get him on and talk about it, really. But yeah. there'd certainly be a time where I'd be like, you're deliberately trying to pull us out of where I'm taking us at the moment. Aren't you? And like, you want to go somewhere else? That's fine. Let's go check it out. But there was always that, um, like I say, that, that level of competition and everyone was responsible for their own bits. And, and, you know, and that was really difficult, that, because I'll never forget, and this is something we'll talk about, Phil, when we have him back on, but I'll never forget Phil. Um, I won't go into it in too much detail, but Phil seriously lost his shit at Jacobs. He seriously lost his shit. Like, Could I? Well, uh, well yeah, uh, he was, you know, trying to play a drum beat and it wasn't going quite right, couldn't get the take or whatever. And I just remember, I just remember feeling really helpless. Like, sat there, nothing, nothing said, because it's like, well, this is his business. Like, this is, mm. uh, you know, this is his section. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Right. It's like, yeah. other, than put, other than putting your arm around his shoulder, and which you couldn't do because he stormed off. But other than doing that, that always felt interesting to me, that how helpless everyone is in that situation. And that extends further to when Rob, you know, had vocal issues. Because Danny had vocal issues as well, didn't he, Rick? But yeah. for me, again, that's another time when you, there's nothing you can do. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know, I find that sort of a, a troubling concept when you're watching someone, you know, not melt down entirely, but when you when you you know, when you're watching someone in a difficult space try to nail something, you know, properly and connect with it and you know, it can be it, it's distressing when you can't help someone jump in and yeah. save, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, it's, yeah. I think jump it's like when you're jamming, you kind of like you've get a la- you get a riff or you might bring a riff and you've kind of got an idea of where it's going to go. Because it mm. happens like, you know, working with producers as well. They take it in a different direction and it fucking really pisses you off because you can see it really mm. working down this road. But then yep. they just steer it this way and it's like, it might be better, <laughs> but because it's not what you expected it to be, yeah. Yeah. you immediately and think I, it's it's not as good. And it's like, um, I think it's Brian Eno that said, music's like a, a fireman's blanket. It only works when everyone's pulling in the opposite direction. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, so yeah. It pulls yeah. it tight. It's that I sort like of that. thing. Um, and, and, and I mean, you guys more than anyone, because you're like, you're just, a, you know, like I say, you're like jams that have kind of like been formulated into songs. That, well, at least in the yeah, early man. days anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I remember being in with Flood, do you know what I mean? A big, a big, big time producer. And um, I can't remember, it's, I think it was Strength or were it Spike or were it the entire record, man. But you know, like the majority of that third album was written in my bedroom, do you know what I mean? Me and Rob sort of wrote the songs together on Pro Tools, then took it into the practice room and played them out. And, you know, as a result of which, you know, we had, and I had a very um, strong idea of where I wanted it to go. I remember being in studio early on with Flood with it 
And Flood sort of going, yeah, I think we should really strip it all out and have it like almost like a punk vibe. Do you know what I mean? Really strip down punk. And I just, I just turned around and I just went, no. Do you know what I mean? I didn't kick off a lot. I was just like, no. Do you know, do you know what I mean? It, it doesn't. That's not what this is. Do you know which, what I mean? Which songs, were, which songs was that? Which What was he saying he thought should be punk? The Spike primarily wanted right. he thought should be really. Whereas I, I kind of saw The Spike almost like, well, I saw it as like a dance floor teen spirit in my head. Do you know? I know it's obviously nowhere near on the level of teen spirit. Don't get me wrong. But when we were doing it, I was kind of thinking it's got like a teen spirit vibe, but you know, with a with a beat. Do you know what I mean? Um, that's the kind of and and you know, punk doesn't have a beat. Do you know what I mean? Not for my money anyway. Yeah, bit, it's a bit I mean? meat and potatoes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can get lost in terminology, though. Do you know what I mean? Maybe I jumped on it too soon. Maybe I should have been like, well, show us what you mean then. Do you know what I mean? Not <laughs> yeah. all. Well, yeah, you know so I mean? it but... works the best when you, if, if, if your producer says something and regardless of what it is, you put it through your filter and like throw something back at them. You know, that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I like best when I'm working with a band. If I say something and, you know, they, they have, a sh- you know, have a stab at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I, might... I suppose our third album's a difficult one, though, because I had such a strong creative idea of where it was going because the, the demos were so developed. I mean, and you saw that, Rick, because, you know, The Rain, Just Because I'm Alone, um, lots of songs like that came off my hard drive because I'd done them in my bedroom, do you know what I mean? We'd literally yeah. sat down and done them. And I, I, I'd sort of fallen in love with those demos, do you know what I mean? So when you go in and producers like, you know, oh, yeah. it sound totally different. You're like, oh, oh, oh you know hold I mean? on. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I want this to sound like, I want this to sound almost like Depeche Mode meets the music, do you know what I mean? Like um, adding that really electronic vibe. And if we're going punk, it, you know, well, I don't know. I just, I, it didn't sit well with me, didn't that anyway, but. The fire's yeah, just, quite punky, isn't it? Well, it's interesting because Fire, you know, Fire was one of the, I think Fire might have been, well, Fire was written as a full band. Do you know what I mean? Fire was just jammed out. Like, that that didn't come out of my bedroom in the same way that, you know, the majority of the third album did. Yeah, I remember um, seeing it on, I think you might have posted it on Facebook. Or, yeah, yeah. You, know, you loved might, it. Might have been MySpace, but um, yeah. I saw it and like, fuck, that's like, well, blew me away, you know. I think it was remember, another year before, us, before the album came out. Well, it was, yeah, because I think, you know, we had a massive gap. Was it between the second and third album? We had a massive gap. And, you know, we we started messing about and we got Idol and Fire. And we made, like, in Soundworks, in our pitched black room, with, like, um, I, I brought some lights down and Rob brought a little camcorder and I filmed Rob doing some stuff and I filmed some other stuff, took it away and comped it up in iMovie or something. And... We put that out as like a little teaser, but I remember it sounded awesome and it looked awesome as well. Do you know what I mean? I saw those recently actually, but yeah, you've always gone on to me about that song. Every time I see you, you just like, I love that riff. It's a great song. It's so 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 much passion in that one, yeah. (laughs) So Rick, you've you've actually played a couple of different roles with Embrace. Like uh, some of the songs, actually one of my favorite songs with Embrace, which is Refugee, you actually sang that. How did that work out that you guys were, you know, because he was, Danny was like the lead singer, but there were times when you sang as well. Uh, there's certain songs that uh, don't suit Danny's voice as much as they suit mine. I've got a Danny's got a really beautiful kind of Glen Campbelly kind of soft, yeah, ballad croony kind of voice. And you sound uh, like a wasp. And I sound like a wasp. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. The story with the wasp is it's like I was doing some backing vocals, and no matter how low it was in the mix, you could always hear it. It sounds like it's like fucking <laughs> like a wasp. <laughs> <laughs> 
Honestly, mate, no. I, I love your voice. I have to say, I do love your voice. Uh, shucks. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so over the years, I've done uh, like One Big Family, uh, Hooligan. I tend to do the big choruses on stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the higher harmonies. Um, Refugees was. It was when, was when we started doing that. It must have been like pretty soon after you guys, actually. I think I did one more album after I'd worked for you guys. And yeah. I got like 12, 14 songs or whatever recorded. And they got signed to this young label. I think the, the lad who owned the label's dad was something to do with some internet fucking zillionaire or something yeah. um, and their album was ready to drop and they kind of was marking it as marketing it as a kind of like a Depeche Mode and Depeche Mode's album came out that week and did nothing so they got dropped oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then split up and I'm like for fuck's sake oh man <laughs> these, these bands keep splitting up that I've like you know working really hard on because like when you in my style of production is to fucking pour myself into it and, and not get in the way obviously but if there's a gap for something and they're not getting anything or they're, they're kind of like grasping a little bit or I'll steam in. So quite a lot of, you know, the ideas on, that I've done on this album were mine. And so I, I, that's kind of when I sowed the seeds of like, right, fuck it, I'm getting embraced back together. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I just needed an outlet for that. So And Refugees has got so many sort of circular uh, stars aligning ideas in it. and. It's like the at the start um, is uh, it's supposed to be like you know when you're outside in town and there's two clubs and two beats going on yeah yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it just kind of when you're going through town it's like so it's like a cityscape sort of um, mm-hmm. thing you get you really get that vibe you really get that vibe and and, and the the song the theme of the song um, the snow and the scream are going light speed tonight it's it's about the Millennium Falcon and it was when <laughs> my ah. uh, my uh, well, she was my wife at the time, but when she was my girlfriend, she did speed, and like we were driving home after being at the club, and the snow's coming, and she was going really slow. Um, <laughs> and then we kind of we sort of like toyed with the idea of going out and scoring this threesome, and then fucking bottled it because um, we're old gits, you know. And it's kind of written in the lyrics are kind of written in old man talk, like you know, glorified belts um, and stuff like that. So there was like lots of like uh, like lyrical things in it, which which really like really clicked for me, and I kind of brought it pretty much fate accompli to the band. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the only thing that was missing was um, the end bit where Danny starts singing, which is an idea I got from listening to an Avicii set. Uh, uh-huh. One night I just put Avicii, we're doing like a, a live thing, um, and I was listening to that, and then after I'd listened to it, it just came to me, just the melody, the lyrics, and everything, um, and then. Uh-huh. I said, you know, he should, he should. I think he actually did try to sing it. He tried to sing "Refugees" hmm. and he was going to sing it, but it just, he, he's not, right. he's not very rhythmic, Adam. If you tell him a rhythm, he just won't get it, you know. Um, hmm. And it's quite, it's quite rigid, you know. But he'll kind of go, snow on the screen, gold light speed. I'm like, no, mate, that's not it. Nope. Listen again. He goes, it's all, it's all bloody same to me, you know. It's like, oh, you do it. So, so yeah. I, so I ended up doing it, yeah. Um, and then once, once he decided that I was going to do it, he came in and sort of produced my vocal on it, um, nice. which was the kind of last thing to go on it. Um, yeah. So that's yeah, I, I loved, I love that tune. And I suppose, I mean, I remember the first time I heard that. Um, yeah, because obviously we'd. Um, we developed a relationship through working together through B-sides and stuff like, through the, you know, the writing sessions, uh, the recording sessions we did anyway. But obviously me and you got kind of close anyway, didn't we? Um, you know, through, you know, through Call of Duty, me and you used to <laughs> sit on Call of Duty. And that was, that, I think that was just 
before you were conceptualising all that or you might have just started putting it together. But I remember, I think me and you getting close. Well, anyway, so when the band ended, like you were like a massive deal for me in terms of like your support because I didn't really feel like I had anyone at that point and I was still trying to write songs and you were the only person who were like... Um, you know, listening to my songs and being like, yeah, these are great, man. You know what I mean? You well, should they were, they stuff. were fucking really good, you know. They, they were oh, and oh. are uh, yeah, really great. There's, there's always well, something, whenever you bring an idea, there's like, there's a central idea which is strong, but then there's always some haunting it behind it, mm-hmm. which is unexpected. Mm-hmm. Man, you produce a lot of the B-sides for the music that I didn't know that until recently that you actually produced those. And I've loved a lot of these songs for a really long time. So it's, yeah, man. I, well, I, can... I mean, when they, when they came in, it was kind of like Tony rang me up and said, oh, the music, want to want to do some B-sides, you know, and, and my head is, well, straight away was like, fuck this, we're doing an album. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't realise like the inner struggles that you were having at the time in the band. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, it became, you know, apparent through throughout the session and everything. I was gunning for like getting the next album and fucking. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I remember. I remember. And well, we, I think we all were. Well. I think the trouble was, Rick, at that point is we didn't have a clue what we were doing by that point. We'd lost mm. the, the wind had come would the wind had come out of our sails yeah. and there wasn't as many people around saying, What's happening? Let, let's listen, let us listen, let us listen. And now, you know, none of us had a strong idea of what we wanted to do. Um and there's you know, there's still a lot of great stuff from that those sessions that have never been heard. I mean, we'll talk specifically about the songs that you that did go on stuff, but yeah, I just wanted to cover the support that you gave me at a time when, you know, like I say, I don't really feel like anyone else was. I mean, the long, I think I were too far gone by that point. And then obviously the breakdown of mine and Rob's relationship and then the band breaking down in general, that was like, that was a final nail in my coffin really in the sense that, you know, I needed creative drive to get up and write these songs and having creative drive just hurt like fuck. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. being creative in any sense just reminded me, I mean, you know, you know what I were like, Rick, after, after the music split up and, you know, we, we'd sit, talking for hours and hours and hours all night like on call of duty do you know what i mean we may just look spitting venom i suppose do you know what i mean just spitting venom for mm. for fucking hours on call of duty shooting people in head and getting really angry about i mean rick i mean you as you can probably tell rick's a really sort of really calm level-headed guy so whenever me and him to, are together it's quite amusing because he's always really calm and level-headed and i'm always like a bit nuts i don't Wait, know I so anyway, surprises I just... me how he can shift gears so much you can go for fucking yeah. you know <laughs> cup of tea yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know oh you should I mean? listen to my song videos mate like my song videos <laughs> where i'm playing some of these most really soft beautiful little songs like in the outtakes i'm like fucking hell and then you're like <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, sent, you've sent me some you sent me some on whatsapp and you'll be going nah, nah, fuck you know wanker wanker when i started writing again uh you were first person i thought like i'm gonna fucking send that to rick because i remember you saying mate i remember you like even like a year after we'd not spoken and i'd really climbed out of the rabbit hole and fucked off to b&q or wherever the hell i went um i didn't go to b&q but you see the point i made into the real world anyway you sent me an email saying, look, mate, just so you know, like, you know, I really like, I really, really like some of them tunes that you did. And I remember reading it and just thinking, it's easier if I just forget that I saw that. It's just easier right now if I forget that I saw that email mm. because I'd fallen out of love with it so much. But obviously now, like I say, you're the first person I thought I'm going to send these to Rick. And, you know, as I've spoke about on Twitter, um, 
you know, you're the person that I want to record stuff with. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I love working with you. I love the studio environment. And I think we both come from a similar a similar place creatively, especially like sonically anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, guitar style as well, I think it's quite quite similar in a lot of ways. Um, I, was, I was always surprised at how little uh, guitar effects you brought along when you came to the session. I'm like, where's all your pedals and all that? And he goes, well, <laughs> I don't have any. I'm like, eh? <laughs> I was expecting well, that. That, that was the thing with me. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the thing with me. Like live, I had a very, very specific thing, very specific thing, but I never used my live rig in a studio. Right. Hmm. I, I always brought it with the intention of doing it, but I think I always got. You see, my live rigs have always been a, a, a culmination of compromises. Right. For, for a live environment, I fucking compromising in a studio. You know well, what I mean? well, like, why do you bring why do you bring less things to the studio then? It's, doesn't that compromise mm. it more if there's nothing if you're not got anything? No, because there's uh, you know there's shitloads of stuff there, and you know you you got higher things on tap. So you know when when we went into the first album, mate, I was using a fucking Zoom eighty eighty. Do you know what I mean? A, a cheap crappy Chinese, you know exactly. <laughs> so the first thing I did, we got a load of original seventies electro harmonics micro synths. I got about ten different pedals sent over from a rental company. Do you know what I mean? that's my point my live rig was always about live and it was a, a group of compromises that worked live and would give me stress-free time um you know I, I could never have a million vintage pedals all in like some sort of loop do you know what i mean if one of them goes down you're fucking like oh god which one is it do you know what i mean like so yeah i had a live setup and then the studio but um i'd always go nuts in studio and experiment with stuff i mean christ um what is it is it treat me right on on the fuck me ep like one of the, one of them guitar parts, I literally got every pedal that we rented and was in the studio and strung them <laughs> together. There must have been like 30, 30 of these vintage MXRs and uh, electroharmonics microphones. That sounds, sounded, must have sounded fucking terrible. It sounded like a fucking soup, mate. It sounded like a soup. But let's face it, do you know what I mean? Like Kevin Shields, do you know what I mean? A lot of those sounds, a lot of those those sort of wall wall of noise. Do you know? What yeah. I mean? No, yeah. man, I, I fucking. I'll never forget that because it were in the room where Elton John's piano was, or the, the, the one that he'd been playing anyway. And uh, Lenny were like, yeah, go take some pedals and mess about. So I went, all right, then fucking hell. Took all these pedals in his room and sat there like some mad scientist, <laughs> twisting them all up and shit, linking them all together and then just fucking playing this noise and just being like, yeah, Kevin Shields will be proud of that noise. That will do. So I well, Rick, never played that one live. <laughs> no, we never played that one live, no. Well, speaking of good sounds, Rick, you you produced a ton of uh, of great B sides, and uh, I mean, I could pound through the list. And I'm going to highlight one that I absolutely love. So obviously, there's traps. Just because I'm alone, huge fan of that one. Hands on fire, symbol of hope. What am I, funky victim? But the one to me that is like, it's probably one of my favorite songs, like of the music, is No Danger. And I didn't know that you actually produced that. So uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a journey, that one, isn't it? I remember, uh, yeah, they, 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 I think we did that at night once. Um, and yeah. I I think I sort of tidied up the jam while you, when you went home. And then I mm. think I think Rob might have done his, did he do his vocal the next day? I think so. I think so. Because I didn't even remember there were vocal on it until I listened back to it recently. Yeah. Um, obviously, when I started listening back to everything, you know, I, I think I just no I think on. I just sent him in there and I said, just like, fucking yeah, yeah. give it some... Do some Give it some chops, man. Just go in there and fucking yeah. primal scream it yeah. out, you know. And he yeah. did, and it was great. Yeah. Do you still have that like file, like of the of that song? I don't know. I might have. Um, I did delete a drive by accident one year. Ooh. Magnetic North Two was deleted. Sure. 
Um, but I might, I might still have it somewhere. Um, yeah, I'd, love, I'd love to see a screen capture of that just because of the fact that I love that song, so that would be really cool to see. Uh, yeah, I'll, 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 try and, I'll try and dig it out, yeah. I remember thinking that was a bit like... Um, is it the chain by Fleetwood Max? It's like it's one yeah. song and then it's another song. And then it goes da 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 And then it's like slows yeah. right down. And it's typical of us. I've got a funny deleting story, though. You talk about deleting hard drives. Obviously, the majority of the third album was sort of put together in my bedroom on Pro Tools. And then we took it down to Townhouse, effectively, my hard drive. And we've been doing, you know, we've been taking the bits out of the hard drive and constructing stuff and, you know, recording a few new bits and that. And anyway... Um, one morning we went in and the engineer looked a bit nervous and he uh, turned around to me and he went, uh, you know, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, yeah. And he pointed to this lad and he went, he formatted the hard drive last night and deleted it all. <laughs> and, this, and, this lad, and this lad's head just went down like that and he was just like, oh, oh no, did I? And I just looked at this lad and I was just like, oh, my God. And he was like, he was like, have you got another one? I was like, no, I don't have another one on me. I think you but can save it if you format it because it just gets rid of the titles. Yep. Well, I, it, it was deleted anyway. So what right. we had to, he said, if you got another one, I said, no, but all the files uh, on my desktop in Leeds. Um, so they went, right, well, you're going to have to organise for someone to drive up to the Leeds with this hard drive, go into the house. And I, in fact, I had to ring my brother. That's right. I had to ring my brother and I said, right, a bloke's going to turn up at the house in a van. <laughs> He's going to hand you a little briefcase like that's got a hard drive in it. <laughs> I need you to take it upstairs, plug it into the shiny silver computer, and I need you to drag all these files and just drop them onto it. And then, so this bloke literally had to drive up to Leeds, and my brother had to put all files on this hard drive, and then he had to drive back down and go, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, we were talking about No Danger. I just thought that was a funny story. But yeah, I mean, No Danger, that, I mean, as I've, as I've talked about in other um, episodes, because I effectively fell out of love with the music and music in general and I didn't listen to anything I didn't listen to our tunes for god for donkey's years across that 10 year period and when I got to no danger and listened to no danger again it would you know there's a lot there's been a lot of emotional moments for me looking back at stuff that I'd deliberately forgotten um and like you listen back to no danger and you you just forget how fucking good it is do you know what I mean and like what Fair enough, we, do you know what I mean? Like that aspect of our music at that time was still thriving. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like fair enough, sort of like the yeah. being in a band and everything was um, failing if you want, but we were still knocking tunes out like that. But I tell you what, I, I swear none of us realised sort of how good that is at the time. Do you know what I mean? You listen back to that and you're like, Jesus. And especially like you say, the bits where Rob sings and you're like, oh God, I forgot about that. And then it just brings all these memories back from sessions and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big tune for our fans, is that? Do you know what I mean? No danger, especially for Pete. Pete never shuts up about it. Yeah. Always, <laughs> I'm always getting Twitter messages from Pete just going, no danger again. Like, oh, guess what song I'm listening to? <laughs> did you ever do it live? Yes, we did, did do it live, actually. We did do it live. And, and I've been, you know, I made a big song and dance about the fact we only ever started with a dance. Um, but I've got a couple of, uh, like, we made Rob Hurst. Massive fan, been to pretty much all of his gigs, turned around and went, no, you didn't. You started with No Danger at um, Barnsley, Low Corum and somewhere else. But yeah, we, we used wow. to play that live. It was just, it were effortless, that tune. You know what I mean? It were, I don't know, because the, the, the other good thing about that as well was, you know, we we got into the whole sort of more technical aspect of using track and stuff like that live. So we were working to clicks and we had bits of stuff going on on backing tracks, you know what I mean, to give it the full feel 
but you could still just get a tune like No Danger, which obviously there's no click on No Danger because tempo changes all over the place. Yeah, I remember um, trying to although, do a click map to it and it wasn't having any of it. <laughs> did we just do that? Did we just do that live then? I, I, I don't know. I can't remember. I think I, I might. Think have, I think we might have tried to do it just to a click. Uh, or, or bits, or bits of it might be to a click. Yeah. Okay. I, I, in fact, I know. I think it went to a click at the end where it goes where it goes in at double time. I think we might have clicked that bit. Oh, right. the very part where when it starts to speed up at the end? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do, no, 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 no. Yeah. That's but where, you know, like where Stu really shines with that bass. Do, no, 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 yeah, no, no, I mean, all of it. Yeah. All of it. Like, Rob's knocking out some killer killer licks and stuff like that. Yeah, he got his SG always, out, didn't he? Yeah, man. Yeah, Rob's always like, oh, I just play the same thing over and over again. But it's like, yeah, but, it, it you know, like, walls get smaller and stuff like that. It just plays the same thing, but... I don't, you know, new, new instrumental. We've got loads of tracks like that that have just got like loads of magic in them. No danger of being, like I say, um, a really big example of that anyway, definitely. Was it always um, going to be a B side, No Danger, or was it always touted well, for being an extra track? Something like the Japanese release or something in it. It's like an extra track yeah. in it. It's not, on the, it's not on the main one, is it? No, it's, it's, a, it's a secret track. And it's ah. not even on, like, it, you know, Pete's experience. I don't think it was on the American one, was it? No nope. secret track. It wasn't on the American. I mean, again, we didn't really, we didn't really know at that point what anything was. And, you know, I think if we're being, I think, I think if I'm being honest, looking back to it, I think, you know, a lot of the stuff we did in the sessions, I don't think the record company were buying it. Do you right. know what I mean? And mm. I don't think that was anything to do with, I think it was all to do with our trajectory at the time. You know what I mean? You say yourself, you experienced being dropped. Um, yeah, yeah, We were dropped. Yeah. Were we dropped twice? I think we might have been dropped twice. Uh, but it's not a nice feeling, is it, anyway? And, um, well, what labels were you uh, on? You're going to hut to begin well, with, weren't you? We, yeah, we started on hut. And then, obviously, you guys um, bankrupted hut making your third album. So. <laughs> Second. <laughs> It was second album that so, did it. So, all right, yeah. So you bankrupted Hook making your second album, so Hook collapsed. So then we... Uh, that knob so that auteur still won't let that go. No, I bet they don't. I bet they don't. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, we then ended up on... Well, I mean, it was the... To be fair, it was probably the worst thing that could have happened. I know I know, I joke about you skinning them. I'm sure that's not the case anyway, but it was the worst thing that could have happened to us was Hook collapsing uh, because, you know, David Boyd believed in us you know what I mean? And when he was at the helm of that, you know, the company believed in us. So when Hut went under or whatever, um, we went on to Virgin. Right. And I don't think, I don't think we were ever, I never felt wanted. Do you know what I mean? Not yeah. like, not like we did at Hut. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's really like a, felt... there's a subtle little thing. You get it from like family and friends as well a little bit. When you, when you're flying, it's like, you know, when you go around that house, you get the nice bedroom and, you know, you get the, <laughs> yep. you know, the nice whiskey and, you know, do you want me to, give you a pair of slippers or whatever and then when it's yeah. not doing so well you know you're sleeping on the floor in a sleeping bag and you know <laughs> you only get one sausage instead of two is that little little, little subtle things you know what i mean that, that i noticed yeah, yeah. and i've kind yeah, of i've it, kind of been there and then been down and then been back up and yeah. then been down you know now we're kind of wow. teetering in the middle so i've seen it two or three times each way you know yeah well and i can imagine it, it's a great leveler really and i, I suppose it makes me well i'm really like any opportunities that I get now, which I'm creating for myself, you know, I'm going to grab them by the scruff of the neck. Do you right know on. what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know, having been there once and then falling off, art falling off again. Do you know what I mean? I, pff, art letting it happen. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Well, you um, do it all on your own terms. You know, you don't get into that radio game. You just make music, you know, and if, if they exactly. like it, then they like it, you know. Because you don't well, have to do it anymore, really. You know, this at our level, it's you just everyone's going to hear it who wants to hear it. 
You know what I mean? It's not yeah. a secret. They don't have to go to a shop to pick it up and buy it and take it home. It's it's there. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's there's a no good point, point people reviewing music anymore. You know, it's why the review mm-hmm. sites even exist. If I want to know what it sounds like, mm-hmm. I'll just go and fucking listen to it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And but you, that's interesting because you also you guys are doing some cool stuff. You know, I think there's a similar patron that you guys have, and you're you know you guys are definitely engaging with your fans in a in a pretty cool way. So uh, and so much to the fact that this weekend on the 27th, you guys are doing a live show, right? Tell us a little bit about that because I know you guys, like you said, you guys were up, you were down, you're up, you guys weren't a band, and then and now you are, and. Uh, and I know you have a huge fan base. So um, what what is this concert about? I even saw a little video clip of it that looked pretty cool. It was you just playing live in, and that that looked amazing. Yeah, out. that was that was, was rehearsing, yeah, rehearsing along to YouTube. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's the only way you can do it nowadays. Um, <laughs> oh, that's yeah, what it was. It was YouTube. Yeah. Well, I was I was I put the song on YouTube. Yeah, because uh, my girlfriend was listening to Spotify and uh, cranked that up, and then just, uh, yeah, just got got jamming nice. with the guitar in in the in the little studio that I've got now. So well, the gig. Um, I guess it's it's kind of it's it's like the lads are skint. You know what I mean? Didn't didn't qualify for Rishni Sunak's you know bumper Christmas bonanza. So they've not had any money off the government throughout the whole of coronavirus. Um, so it's nice to make a little bit of money that way. Yeah. Um, and we've kind of like build it as the sort of like the fans pick the songs. Because uh, one of the points I wanted to sort of hit on when you were talking earlier about radio. Is if if I look back at all our singles, it's like they're not my favourite songs. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If if like you know when my grad kids sit on my knee and say, "Daddy, which songs did you do?" You know, chances are, you know, eight times out of ten, it won't be a single. You know, what, what is your favourite song? There. Good, good people will be in there. Um, but yeah, it was yeah. probably probably drawn from memory, mm. which is just a piano ballad. You know, but, um, it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful yeah. song. It's, it's, a, it's just memory. a it's just heart wrenching. The beautiful, yeah. Um, yeah so it's stunning, kind of been a stunning. chance for us to do those songs. So, you know, the, the, the fans like have voted for it. Um, this, we've thrown a few in as well that we wanted to do, but it's kind of like the main thing of it is that we've, we've done these two gigs um, and we're sort of picking the best of the two and then we're releasing that on like a nice vinyl. It's just to cool. just to do nice. something, you know. You want to you want to do yeah, something. Yeah. You know, there's not really much else that we can do, you know. Um, so I was around there rehearsing today, actually. God, it's it's hot down there. Um, it's in our keyboard player's uh, studio, which is in his cellar. Um, the drum oh, room's wow. fucking freezing, and the and the control room's blaringly hot. <laughs> 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 so it's the cellar of two halves, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah, so it's just it's thing... just to keep everyone engaged and keep everyone you know yeah. present with us. I don't mean to jump topics, but I just I wanted to say this because it was something you know that stuck out for me. Um, you know when we were sort of as close as we were back then, because I remember what's album is Refugees on because that's the what's Tally's that album. album. It's well, it's that's it's just it, yeah. It's called Embrace, but it's referred to as the Tally's album because of sleeve. That's right. But you like you played that to me, didn't you? You played it to me in its entirety. I remember. I remember you saying, you know, do you want to hear it? And I, I remember thinking, oh shit, our Tom's going to be really jealous about this. <laughs> you Embrace album. Is that when you came around with your anyway, helicopters? <laughs> I think I was. Yeah, I think it was at that time. But I remember anyway. Um, you know, you played it to me, and I just remember thinking, fucking hell. Do you know what I mean? It blew me away, did that. Um, you know, really inspiring, especially because I, it, it was so different for what you guys had done as well. Do you know what I mean? I remember hearing it and just it, it proper blew me away, did that when I heard that record. And, you know, Refugees really stood out for me. And, you know, I'm not I'm not sort of saying it for any other reasons than the truth, but Refugees is literally one of my favourite songs, man. It's literally one of my favourite songs. Wow. I love it. 
Great. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. But yeah, it, you know, it was just, um, it felt like a privilege to hear that record, you know what I mean? Before, you know, if you'd even thought about it, get it going out, you know, I mean, obviously, you, you know, making it to release. Well, it, I, 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 really... That's how kind of, that's how you know when you've got good songs is when you can't wait to play them to your friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes yeah. you'll write a few songs and people say, can I listen to something? And you go, mm, yeah, maybe. And you put it on and you'll turn it up really loud and you go, oh, d- don't listen to this bit. D- just forget that bit. You, yeah, know, like, yeah. you know, if you could just imagine me. this with strings, you know, and all that, that <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, yeah. but when, Actually, but when, Tim Tim had a really good, uh, he, he explained that on the episode with Tim, Tim Viggen. And he explained like, you know, a song's really good when you play it and, and you basically are you just like, oh no, you're going to like this. Like there's no, there's no doubt and there's just nothing but just, confidence in it but if you don't then you- yeah and it's yeah. like that that feedback you get off the person who's listening to it tim's point was when you stood there in the room with someone new and you press play it's that feeling you get at that moment when you press play whether you're like oh shit i'm gonna cringe or like oh my god i'm gonna put my shades on and sit back here do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah so yeah. It, mu- it must have been nice for you because i just remember sitting there with an open mouth just being like <laughs> oh my god God, and I literally after every song, I'd turn around and go, "You bastard!" You know I mean? Yeah, I remember that. That's yeah, too yeah. good. Yeah. That's too good. Is that me? God's sake! <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, it started like it was, I think it was protection, wasn't it? Will have been first song that you heard was yep. got that kind of yep. like new order, like da 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 drum beat on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I, when it was started, I'm thinking, oh, I can't wait till that fucking drum part comes in. <laughs> He's gonna shit the sheets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. But it's so Absolutely unexpected like for us, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I think we, we sort of started off like that back in the day. Um, well, we used to sound like was... The Cure and Joy Division oh. and, you know, Chameleons, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So it's a bit, you know, it's a bit of a, so, a hark back to our early days. I think that's why we call yeah, it Embrace, yeah. you know. Well, something that I wanted to touch on um, that you might be able to shed more light on was I had a conversation with Tony Perrin the other day, actually, and he was telling me about um, a crucial moment for you where... We were asked to play, was it V Festival? I think we were asked to play V Festival and we couldn't do it for some reason. So Tony said, what about Embrace? And, you know, Tony said that it was um, like a, a really big moment for you where like everyone reconnected with Embrace again. Do you know what I mean? Do you remember that? It's, I, I didn't know that you'd been asked to do it. No, I just, we just got, a f- was it the one where Jet cancelled? That's right, Jet cancelled, yeah, Jet cancelled. So, I mean, I didn't know this. And Tony said we were busy at the time, but apparently they'd asked for us, uh, but we couldn't do it. So um, you guys did it, but, right. you know, it was it was like a massive show. For it, wanted, it, was, I mean? it was, yeah, it definitely, it, it kind of like, um, it was great because it was like a decent check and we were all skint. I think it was about 30 grand. Oh, right. um, we got the same fee that Jet were going to get, basically. They nice. kind of did as right. the did as a solid and said we'll give you their slot and their fee. Um, and I think Gravity was um, on the radio. And I remember as I was leaving the show, um, actually before we went on, I think I think Elbow Matt had been on, were they? Or the music of Elbow was on. And I was just sat behind looking up at the at the beating at the back of the stage, thinking this is this is it, this is the moment. Um, I remember bounding on stage. Um, had a had a blinder of a gig. I think we got voted fourth best that weekend as well. Out of I think Pixies won it, and there were two other bands, and we came sort of fourth as the best band, which is a, a massive shock to me. But as we were leaving in the car, I could hear people singing Gravity. Nice. <laughs> um, and I've I've always wanted them moments where like you know you kind of secretly find out that everyone likes you. <laughs> you know, so I had a little bit of a you know a little bit of zhuzh. <laughs> nice. I like that. Uh, yeah, um, but it was it was a, a big a big moment for us, like a big return for us, you know, to be on that stage and we got some great photographs which we used mm-hmm. to to advertise our gigs and stuff. 
And again, that was kind of like, you know, towards the start of that roller coaster of 2004 of just being fucking good news day after good news day after good yeah, news yeah. day. You're playing yeah, V, yeah. you've gone gold, yeah. you know, you're in the charts, they want you on top of the pops, you know. Exactly. Yeah. It was and it's like, it's, like I, it's like I were talking about it for us in our early days when, like say, Tim were ringing up every day and it was, you know, just ridiculous news every day, yeah. you know. But, but having, having done it before though, you know, like I was saying about being up and down, it's kind of, I appreciated every fucking moment of it, yeah. every moment. It just, just relished it. When we found out that we were at number one, uh, we knew the album was, I think it was tied with Paul Weller, and there was some like thing going on between Andy McDonald and Paul Weller, because I think he'd been on his label, like Go Discs right. or something. So Andy really wanted us to, to win. Do you know what I mean? Because he had like a personal dog in the fight, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So all that week I'd been on holiday um, in Tenerife, and we were supposed to be doing a secret gig aboard a friend of ours' yacht. Um, right. So the lads were flown out from the UK and we were making a little film about it as well. And I flew in from uh, Tenerife to Mallorca. And then the day that we found out we were at number one, we were on a fucking yacht <laughs> drinking champagne, going at 40 knots down the bay. And it was just, ah, uh, fucking... One of them. Uh, take me back. Take me Lock back. it in. <laughs> it was so... Because it was just... Having been skint and unsure and uncertainty and yeah. struggling and yeah, striving yeah. and trying and being through the hell yeah. of making a record and uh, and just everything at all, it just... It was just such it makes a relief. It taste better, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it was. Just oh makes yeah, it all taste yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it was just incredible. Yeah, that. That's cool. Yeah. So are you going? Are you going to Temple Newsom? Hell yeah! <laughs> Wild horses won't keep me away yeah. from that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he's not. He's not getting out of that one. He's definitely fucking coming. Good, good, without good. Without doubt, without doubt, man. Yeah, I'm definitely um, looking forward to that myself. And yeah, hopefully, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to be next year probably. I imagine, isn't it? Rather than yeah, this year. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we don't. We to be honest, we don't address it too much. To be honest, um, I mean, I get every day on socials. I get people saying, "What's happening? Do you know what's happening? Do you know what's happening?" Mm. We don't know what's happening. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you know, we we can't even rehearse. So there's no way it can. I, I I don't like saying anything because you know until the official announcement is made. Yeah. But obviously, you know, the the, the chances of it happening. Yeah. Well, the chances of it happening on the scheduled day, I would say, are slim to none. Sure. You know, yeah. uh, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't like to talk about it too much because I don't like people to um, read too much into it because literally we don't know. Right. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's the thing about being in a band. You don't know, do you? I mean, I, when we played the PSO last year, it's, it's like everyone thinks that you're in charge. But for oh. some reason, I still had to go out into the crowd, out of the door, to go and get my kids in at the gig who were on the <laughs> guest list. Yeah, <laughs> for some reason their passes weren't there and then my friends couldn't get in and then my dad couldn't get in but then there's like 100 people in there that I've never met before or know and anybody knows from Adam yeah. Who, yeah, yeah. who all managed to get in you know what I mean it's, you're the last That's person hilarious. to find out when you're in a band <laughs> oh yeah yeah well hey man it's been uh, it's been great having you on the podcast uh, I think Embrace is definitely a really really good band I, and the fact that you've produced so many great songs with the music just makes you even more awesome <laughs> so yeah so <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so you have yeah, a secret yeah. so, so people do appreciate you I want to tell you that <laughs> and uh, yeah man and uh, yeah I appreciate you coming on and I definitely look forward to seeing you in Temple Newsom whenever that may happen yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Let's have a drink. Rick, yeah. Rick, will, Rick will definitely be there. But yeah, but I mean, before we close out, I did, one last point I wanted to make. Like you say, nothing certain in this industry. Like, but uh, my missus always used to turn around to me and sort of say, like, this is your industry is the only business where, like, no set in stone, is it? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. even, even to the point of that year we were supposed to be playing Glastonbury and they said, well, we don't know if you are, so you're going to have to drive down here, park up outside the site, and then if you are, we'll tell you. 
So we did, and we drove down and parked that's, about that's the nuts that. and then, That's nuts that you yeah, did and that. And then they rang us up, and then they rang us up, and you're like, oh, no, you're not playing. You're like, all right, we'll fucking drive home, then nice one, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I but, there's no yeah, way I, we would have done that. I Danny wouldn't have stood for that. I Danny wouldn't have had oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah, he'd have gone, oh, what? We were, well, you what? Yeah, Fuck we were, off. We were kids. <laughs> we, were ki- we were kids, do you know what I mean? But Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I just thought it were interesting, like you say. Um, I remember having a, I remember having a right do with a, a bloke in America, and it were actually on that the first night of that Kasabian tour, um, and I wanted in a good headspace anyway. But I went out to get a McDonald's, and I, they won't let me back in the venue. Do you know what I mean? I even had a pass. I had a pass. I've done that as they well. They won't yeah. let me back in venue. They won't let me back in venue. So there's a bloody headline act guitarist stood at the front of his queue with a fucking bag of McDonald's kicking off with his bloke. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, this is really great. This I get that all the time. I get that all the time. I want to talk to our tour manager saying, can you give the fucking security pictures of all our faces so they know who we are? He looked at oh, me, did you? Looked at me yeah. like I were a total tit. I mean, I probably were at the time. I mean, if you're on our last tour, I got it. We're in Leeds and like security in Leeds is always a little bit bit touchy and uh, at the um, at the O2 and... Uh, mm. So I mean, my younger brother were there. I was supposed to be getting him access all areas because he's got two very young kids. I'm like, make mm. sure he gets access all areas. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Does he get access all areas? Does he fuck? So he comes in with these <laughs> after shows. So I said to the security woman, I goes, can I get? A, can I just check are these like access all areas? And she looked at him and she goes, well, are you? <laughs> I goes, well, I'm, this is after I just finished sound check. I goes, I'm, I'm guitarist in band. She's like, well, where's your pass? I'm like, well, tour manager ain't giving it to you. She's like, come with me. <laughs> <laughs> fucking led me off to bloody office. So it's embarrassing. Yeah. No, it's embarrassing. I mean, one time we went into our catering, our catering, like on the morning to get some bacon sarnies, and they were like, uh, they're not for you, they're for all crew. And you're like, fucking hell, it's our fucking tour, isn't it? Jesus Christ. What's that story when our Danny gave you a towel and a bottle of water when you played at his club? Oh. <laughs> Oh well, I mean, I'm not. That's a dangerous. That's a dangerous subject. Is that? I'll go there if you want me. Uh, okay, yeah, go yeah, there. Man, we played that club. What were it called? Moho. What did he Moho call Live. it? Moho Live. Moho Live. Yeah. Um, played it a few times, didn't we? Um, had some cracking gigs there, but yeah, that time on the Strength in Numbers tour, I think we had we had like one towel and two bottles of water or something. <laughs> And like <laughs> that place, and I can't remember what capacity that place, but let's argue for argument's sake, it was a thousand. Yeah. If it was a thousand capacity, there must have been 8,000 people in there. That sounds honestly, like I Honestly, like, on, like the room, like obviously that, that rank room, it's like a, yeah. you know, a gig for however long it has been. The loudest was, room in so, the world. And there were so many people in there. There was so much body heat. Listen, what happened was all the rusting equipment and all the shit that was on the ceiling started to drip off into everyone's mouths. Because, <laughs> yes, exactly, because the air conditioning could nowhere near cope with the amount of bodies that were in there. So the entire place turned into a soup and you could see the shit dripping off the ceiling and you could see the colour of it Ugh. and it was all over everyone. And like literally all of us, we all like had horrible chest infections after that for like about three months because it was... It, honestly, that were one of the most difficult gigs we've ever done that. It was fucking insane. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, Danny, you bastard, overselling it. <laughs> fucking hell, do you know? <laughs> well, it's classic Manchester, that, isn't it? They always oversell gigs yeah, in Manchester, oh, don't they? Honestly. Uh, but, <laughs> Meanwhile, the yeah, people that went there were like, best time ever. <laughs> 
Honest, well, that I venue was like the loudest, the loudest thing I've ever been at was at that. I went to see, uh, went to meet him there once, and uh, there were a band on it. We're just like fucking stood there, like, mm. <laughs> you know, and it's yeah, like yeah. wobbling your eyes. <laughs> oh, I mean, like we literally, we got off, we got off stage, and we literally all ran outside and stripped off, literally because we were, it was like, you know, it was like breathing in soup. Honestly, it were it were, a, it were a mental gig with that. But yeah, that's that's a story of Danny and the two bottles of water and one tour. <laughs> <laughs> and, and wasn't even any fucking beer. Wasn't even any beers on Ryder. He served, saved himself a right turn there, didn't he? I'd love to see fucking tax return for that gig. Did he like give like rob a couple of security guys as well to like follow him around or something? I'm not sure. I can't remember. The rest of you like roughing it, and Rob's walking around with security. I seem to remember no, something about possible. that. I mean, it, it was a weird venue as well, wasn't it? Really, because like an L shape, kind of it? yeah. And the, the dressing room was sort of just off to the left as you walked in, and it were a tiny room, and yeah. like Peter was just really easy, even though it was quite small. It was easy to get like disconnected from people there. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. I can't remember if our bus. I think were our bus outside or couldn't it stop outside. I can't remember. But anyway, on that same night, our kid nearly got into a fight with uh, bouncers as well. I had to defuse that okay. um, <laughs> wisely. Yeah. I think they were Siberian yeah, exactly, guys yeah. then, weren't they, or something? It were to be <laughs> fair, they were the they were relatively sound because I calmed it down and it, right. our kid try our kid tried to take a bottle of beer out and it, they kicked off and I was just like, why are you trying to take beer out? We're off to get on his bus, you dickhead. There's a fridge, you know what I mean? Like why are you, why are you pissing about? But well, you cradle it, kid, don't you? It's like your baby, isn't yeah, it? When you got yeah, on the yeah. oh, oh, kid. Up. <laughs> Our kid wasn't having any of it. This bouncer turned round and just went, put that down or I'll knock you out. And that kid just went, all right, knock me out then. And I just went, whoa, and jumped in the middle of him and just went, yeah. let's not do this. Like, no, thanks. I just went, Tom, there's beer on bus, fuck off. Go, yeah. on, go on, go away. Well, yeah. I stood there and just went, come on, mate, come on, let's all be friends. It's all all right. Yeah, don't get into a fight with a guy that's paid to fight. Bad idea. No, especially in <laughs> Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. But yeah, man, um, I mean, I suppose I'm going uh, off fucking kilter here, but... Right, okay, so I don't know what we're going to do with this episode because it's been quite long. We might even break it into two. Pete will decide that, but it's, uh, you know, I've absolutely loved it. Um, it's been ace talking to Rick. I always love talking to Rick anyway, but he brings such a great vibe. Uh, I'm really pleased that Rick's got to talk to Pete and I'd love for Rick to come on again, basically, because it's been a great laugh. And I think there's, there's still loads of stuff we could talk about um, and I think you know you've got a lot of interesting stuff to say in general do you know what I mean not just not just related to the music so on that note uh, Rick thank you so much um, for coming on the podcast and I hope you come on again soon cheers guys it's been a, been a pleasure nice. thank you mate and thank you everyone for listening really hope you enjoy this episode thank you forgot to ask you the main question that i wanted to ask you rick as well i wanted to ask you how you felt about the fact that i'm a better guitar player than you <laughs> that's the main question <laughs> I, fucking, I, I, meant to, I literally meant to ask that question first i'm pretty easy especially it, when you're playing his riffs <laughs> especially yeah. when i'm yeah. playing your own riffs back taught to you me. everything you know <laughs> i just imagine yeah. you fucking stood there at like blackpool emperor's ballroom or something just being like hang on <laughs>
I recognise yeah. that. Oh. To be fair, you do play that riff slightly faster than me. I'll never listen hey, to Turn Out the Light again the differently. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll yeah, never honestly, listen to it I, the same. If, if you'd if you'd have walked into the studio like at, at Soundworks and been like, "You play my riff, kid?" Do you yeah. know what I mean? I'd have fucking shit myself. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'd have been like, "Oh no, sorry, Mister Embrace, man." <laughs> 